This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Genesis chapter 45 today in the No Average Joe series. We are coming down. This is uh, our second to last uh, sermon in this series. And I've enjoyed studying it. It's been a little different for me in my study. I've I've approached it a little differently than I will uh, our typical, my typical sermon series. Uh, But it's spoken to me. And I basically, when I was, when I've been preparing for this, I've kind of stripped a lot of study helps out of the way and basically said, God, I want you to teach me something personally through this. And then whatever you're teaching me through this, that's exactly what I'm going to, I'm going to teach on Sundays. And so that's kind of been how this has worked. And I've enjoyed Uh, that we will be moving into the book of Ephesians in two weeks. So the first Sunday in August, we will begin a new series in the book of Ephesians, uh, just a great book of the Bible. But we are in week 11 of our Joseph series, No Average Joe. And today's sermon is simply titled this, I am Joseph, you are forgiven. I am Joseph, you are forgiven. Um, We have told the story numerous times. We know the story of Joseph's life as he has been uh, uh, promoted by his father and then demoted by his brothers into a pit, sold into slavery, Potiphar's house. Once again, he was promoted and then he was put into prison and then uh, in prison he was promoted again and then he was forgotten. And then Pharaoh, here's where we are in our story, Pharaoh has put him in charge of the uh, the land because he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and he said that for seven years there was going to be plenty of everything, food, water, anything you need, there would be plenty. And then seven years after that there was going to be famine, there was going to be no food available. And so Joseph was put in charge of the land and he did what we all should do and that is be wise financially and planning. And we actually had an entire week where we kind of talked about that. And preached about that, but he planned and he saved, and so now the country of Egypt, under the um, the tutelage of Joseph, um, is now basically the world's cafeteria. And if you want to look at it that way, uh, hopefully it's better than some of the cafeterias in Durham. But uh, but he's the world's cafeteria. Um, my parents, I'm. There's a lot of people in here older than me, so I just I'm going to say this: I am not yet at the age where I'm like, oh yeah. Let's go to the cafeteria. Like, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. My, some, okay, good. Some of the people that are older than me are like me either. All right, so, uh, sorry, sorry. And some of you, yeah, I'm getting mixed signals. I'm just not there yet. Like, you know, and if I go to the cafeteria as much as I eat, I'll spend like 25 bucks. I'm like, if I'm going to do that, let's go to like a Japanese steakhouse or something. So anyway, you know, but they are. Egypt under, the, under Joseph's rule now is basically the, the supplier and distributor. And so... Um, his, his brethren, his brothers and his father and his family that had his brothers that had sold him into slavery didn't know where he was, uh, where we uh, have picked up as they come to um, get food. Joseph obviously recognizes them and he does not recognize, uh, they do not recognize him. And so Joseph has been kind of going back and forth with them a little bit, uh, trying to test them out to see if they're uh, legitimate and kind of putting some stipulations on them uh, just to kind of mess with them a little bit. They did, by the way, they did bow down to him when they first showed up and they did bow down a second time to him. And if we remember back at the beginning, Joseph had a dream and prophesied that they would bow down to him twice and they've done that. So kind of cool. But here they, 
Joseph, after they come back, Joseph sends them back again to his father, to their father, his father and their father. He sends them back home again, but this time he plants his silver cup, the cup that he would drink from. He plants that inside of Benjamin's, his younger brother, by his same mother. Jacob had a bunch of wives, and the one younger brother by his same mother, um, Talk about just amazing family tree there. But uh, he, he plants the silver cup in Benjamin's luggage and sends the guy after him. Saying, hey, cup's missing. We're going to go through your luggage. Whoever has the cup is coming back in custody. He's going to work. He's going to be a servant of Joseph. Of course, they go through the luggage. And who's do they find? Benjamin's. But we know this. If we've been here and we've been studying through this, this text, dad, Jacob, was very nervous about Benjamin going. In fact, he said Benjamin couldn't go numerous times. And they know if I don't come back with my brother, this is going to be, my, our dad has already suffered through Joseph's death, or so they think, and now he's going to suffer through Benjamin being taken away again. And so they're not going to let that happen. And so they show back up, and I believe, and this is not part of our forgiveness talk today, but I believe that the end of chapter 44, if you want to read it yourself, you can. I full well believe the end of chapter 44 was Joseph testing to see if they were really repentant and really serious about taking care of their family even the brothers that the dad favored I believe that was a final test for Joseph to say okay have my brothers finally crossed over have they finally put past them their hatred of me and put past them their hatred of whoever the favorite son is and can they get over this Hump, And I full well believe the end of chapter 44, we see the brothers returning back with Benjamin, not sending him back to be a slave. They return back with him. And they say, you're not taking him. You can have me, you can have any of us, but you're not going to take Benjamin. You can't have Benjamin. Um, and I see that as the repentant side of the brothers. Genuine concern that they had not only for Benjamin, but for their father. Extremely important in our story. But here's where we will pick up in chapter 45 and verse 1. simply says this, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brothers could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years has the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earning nor harvest. He's basically saying, Hey, we're two years into the seven-year famine. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine. 
lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Heavenly Father, teach us through the scripture, through your word, just an extremely important topic today, God. Every single one of us have areas in our lives that we need to let go of and we need to forgive. People, maybe in our past, maybe some in our present. Whatever the situation may be, God, we're all unique and our lives and our stories are unique. But today, God, I pray that we find ourselves in this topic of forgiveness. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What we see in this text today, and by the way, we are a text-driven church. And when the Bible deals with it, we deal with it. And when the Bible doesn't deal with it, we don't deal with it. So don't, don't come to me and say, hey, hey, Josh, when are you preaching about so-and-so or so and you know, whatever. Whenever the Bible does, that's when we'll do it. So take it up with God. All right. So don't take it up with me. But, what, but here we find in this text where we, where we drive our sermons from is the text. And we find today one of the most powerful displays of forgiveness that we will see in scripture anywhere. It is forgiveness, Christ-like forgiveness, displayed by Joseph. It's Christ-like forgiveness that all of us can not only learn from, but all of us ought to emulate in our lives and not just say, okay, yeah, we know about that intellectually, but we ought to take it to heart and we ought to live this. Joseph, having experienced all the pain and the scars of being mistreated and, and hated on by his brothers, he humbly forgives them in this text. Forgiveness. I wish that I could come to you today and say forgiveness is easy and things that have happened in your life, all you've got to do is just, hey, just make the decision in your mind and it's, it's, it's good. I wish I could tell you that this morning. I can't honestly tell you that this morning. For Joseph, he had gone through several years, 14 plus He'd gone through several years of going up and down and up and down and trying to figure this out until this day came. Forgiveness is not easy. But what does forgiveness even mean? What does it really mean? And I think the best definition for forgiveness is this. Simply releasing the, the offender of guilt and giving up my right to atal- retaliate. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is simply releasing the offender of guilt and giving up my right to retaliate. Is that sunk in? That's literally saying you're guilty, but I release you of that guilt. You are now not guilty. In fact, let's take it a step further. You are now innocent. That's a step further. I'm releasing you of your guilt. And I am also giving up my right to retaliate. Hey, you deserved, but I forgive. Hey, listen, if I were God, this is what would happen. But I forgive. And it is extremely tough. Some of you have stories that you've either shared with me or maybe you haven't shared with me. And I don't know all the stories, but there are story after story after story today 
where we need to be able at some point in time to come to grips and say, I forgive you. Not because of anything that you've done, but I forgive you anyway. I'm fully convinced that there are people in this room this morning who will never truly take the next step in their lives until they're willing to take the step of forgiving the wrong that has been done to them in their past. I am fully convinced that there are Christians that recall, and this is the way their life feels. They try to move forward and they stop. They try to move forward and they stop. They try to move forward and they stop. And they can't move forward in their Christian lives. And I am fully convinced it's because there is forgiveness that is still out there that needs to be given. You say, Josh, I don't think you understand. And I will tell you, you are correct. I don't understand. I don't understand your story. I've never walked a mile in your shoes. And I'm not going to judge you. What I am going to tell you is what the Bible says. And we'll let the Bible be the judge. We'll let the examples in Scripture be the judge. But you must be willing to take the spiritual step of forgiveness. And I will say this this morning. Until you are willing and ready and able to take this spiritual step of forgiveness, I believe you will forever live in bondage in your life. Until you can forgive, you will live strapped. Until you forgive, you will live frustrated. Always the law. And that's anti-gospel because what does the gospel offer you? It offers you freedom. The gospel offers you the ability to serve Jesus without with, with just, just letting everything go and being free. Without any type of bondage. The gospel says that, but, for, but being unwilling to forgive is anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. This morning, we're going to take a look at this, these 11 verses from Genesis chapter 45 this morning. The first 11, we're going to take these verses and we're going to pick them apart and see some truths about forgiveness that I believe can help us in our Christian walk today. Number one, I want us to see this. And it's going to be all in the text here. Number one, forgiveness is a personal decision. Forgiveness is a personal decision decision. Look at verse one. Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brothers. You see, Joseph asked all the Egyptians and everybody else to, to clear out of the room. And he's basically, he basically says this, Hey, listen, I've got, I've got some business to tend to. I've got to take care of a situation and it's very personal. And let me say this, some of you need to forgive some things that have happened in your life, and it's very personal. I, as your pastor, probably don't need to know about it. No one else, maybe even in this room, needs to know about it. It needs to be a personal decision that you make for Joseph. This was personal for him. This was personal. He wanted to make sure that as he forgave and had this moment of reconciliation with his brothers, that it was a private moment for he and his brothers. And I, I, I want to say this very, um, I want to say this with the right spirit and the right attitude and, and with love. We should not do right so that other people will see us do right. If we have a, a severe hurt in our lives and we forgive, I would dare say that that's something that doesn't need to be published on your social media. Hey, guess what? This is what happened. This person's done this and I, and I forgave him today. 
Can you, can you give me a like if you think that was a great thing? You know. But we live in such a society that's like, did we really do right unless everybody knows? Did we really, do, did we really forgive until, unless we tell everybody that we did this? No, it's personal. And let me just say this in 2018, there needs to be some things in our lives that are personal. That we don't display to the entire world. I've got two daughters, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and I'm trying to teach them that. Hey, there's some things that are personal. These are within our, our family. Like, everybody doesn't need to know every little thing about our family. Have you ever been there before? Let's be honest. Have you ever been there as a parent? And you're like, you're out to eat, or you're with, with a group of friends, and your kids are like, well, my dad. And they start, I'm like, shut up. I have no idea what you're about to say, but just don't say it. They don't need to know. But at the end of the day, the truth is that we must come to a personal point in our personal lives to personally make the decision to forgive. No one can forgive for you. You don't need a fan base to forgive. Forgiveness needs to be you and that person and God. That's simply what it needs to be. See, Joseph had a support group here. He had all of the Egyptians that worked for him and that served him. He was in charge of the entire land. He could have very easily said, hey guys, I'm about to go do something difficult. I want to make sure you're there with me to back me up in case this goes bad. Now let's keep in mind, these brothers tried to kill him. These brothers sold him a slave, as a slave. He doesn't know what their reaction is going to be. Be very easy to say, hey, come with me. I want you to make sure you're here. I want to make sure you're a part of this. Because if, if this goes wrong, I want to make sure I've got some help. I've got some backup. No, it was personal. And I will say this. If you choose to forgive today, if you, by the end of this, this sermon, if you say there's someone in my life that I need to forgive, it's a personal decision. And I can't make you do that. And no one else can make you do that. It's the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart to make a personal decision to forgive. Not only was forgiveness here in the life of Joseph a personal decision, but secondly this morning, forgiveness is an emotional decision. It is an emotional decision. Look at verse 2. Joseph made himself known unto his brethren, verse 1, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. Forgiveness is an emotional decision. We are all wired differently. The truth is, we could show, uh, we could watch The Notebook together. Wouldn't that be great? We could watch The Notebook together, and half of you in here would be like, oh, I'm about to tear up. I know this part's coming. Here we go. Oh, no. And the rest of us are like, I'm, did I say us? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put myself in a, in a box there. But some of you others uh, would be like, what? what in the world? Like, can we go see, like, you know, something else with, with violence or something? I don't know. <laughs> you know, the truth is, I love my wife to death. She's not in here, so I can say whatever I want. Some people watch, can watch, like, a commercial about some stuff and, like, get that teary-eyed. How many of you are pet lovers? Raise your hand. All right, how many of you have seen the, uh, the pet commercials and Sarah McLaughlin singing? In the arms of an angel. There's my reference, my music reference for the day. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin. But in the arms of an angel, and, they, and, the, and the pets look like they're about to start crying. And you're like, how did you make that dog do that? Like, I have no idea how you did. But you know, at the end of the day, some of us are very highly emotional. 
And some of us are emotionless in a lot of ways. Can I say this? That forgiveness is an emotional decision. And however your emotions come forth in this act of forgiveness is completely okay and fine. For Joseph, he wept aloud and it became... I mean, the men and the ladies that he had pushed out of the room in order to have this moment, they heard him. I mean, he wailed and weeped out and cried out as he forgave. It is an emotional decision. And can I say this? Our emotions are given to us by God. God is emotional. You are emotional. I am emotional. It is what it is. And hurts that have impacted your life for many, many years, sometimes for over a decade even, they become a deep emotional part of your life and it is very emotional when you release it and there is nothing to be ashamed about in that there's nothing to be uh there's no uh, this person looks down on this person for their emotions and this no there's none of that let me say this if, if you're this type go ahead and and weep Go ahead and cry. Go ahead and let out the forgiveness. In fact, some of us and some of you that aren't very emotional could probably do yourself a favor every now and then and have a good cry. It'll probably help. I am not emotional by nature, but it, would, it does me good every now and then to hear, for me, sometimes I'll hear a song and man, it just gets my, it gets me teared up. Or, I'll see a video, I, I'll see a video of like, I don't know, some music video maybe. It's talking about kids growing up. I didn't care until I had kids. Now I got kids and I'm like, no, stop. Like, I don't care if you loved her first. I don't want you, I don't want to hear you sing about it. Like, I, you know, but I start getting that. I start thinking about my daughters growing up. Man, I get emotional. I don't want that to happen. I want to, I tell them, I'm like, look, you're nine and seven. I can't wait for this year where you turn eight and six. You know, start going backwards. You know, it's going to be great. But you know, some of us are emotional and some of us are not, and it's okay. In fact, David, Psalm 23, a series we've gone through in our church, David is a great example of one who was pretty emotional. Look at his words in Psalm chapter 6. In verse 6, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. And let me say, men, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to cry. You say, but i got to be the leader. You know what? Sometimes the best way you can lead is to show your vulnerability and your emotions to your wife and your kids and to the people that are around you. Let's be straight up honest. Because some of us are so calloused and we're so non-emotional that I would, I would dare say some of the people in our family circle might look and say, does he really care anymore? Joseph was emotional through this. And you know what? I, I believe if the hurt is as deep as what Joseph was experiencing, that it's going to be very emotional when you release the forgiveness. It's going to be very emotional. Don't be ashamed of having emotional forgiveness experiences and we will not judge the validity of someone else's experience based upon our experience. That's not the way it works. But make no mistake about it. However you deal with your emotions, if you go through a legitimate forgiveness process, you're going to have to deal with your emotions through forgiveness. You're going to have to do that. Just get ready for it. You're going to have to deal with your emotions however you deal with them. And Joseph, as he wept aloud, even to where those in the other room 
could hear him. So forgiveness is a personal decision today. But secondly, forgiveness is an emotional decision today. Thirdly, extremely important this morning, forgiveness focuses on God. Forgiveness focuses on God. Joseph said to his brothers in verse 4, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves as you sold me here. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We forgive today because our forgiveness, we focus on God. Joseph basically says this, I can forgive you because God has forgiven me. God, for some reason, allowed the hurts, he allowed the pains, he allowed the struggles, he allowed the negatives, he allowed the pit, he allowed Potiphar's wife, he allowed the prison. God, for some reason, allowed all of those negative things to come in my life, and I don't understand it, but I have to accept it. I have to accept it because God allowed it. God let it happen in my life. And because God let it happen, I trust in His sovereignty that God let it happen. And I can forgive. I can forgive because God is in charge. Let me say this this morning. If when we fail to forgive, we have failed to acknowledge that God truly is sovereign in our lives. When we fail to forgive, we have failed to acknowledge that God truly is sovereign in our lives. Listen, if you and I don't believe that God is in complete control and God knows and allows everything to take place in our lives, then it's going to be very tough for us to pull the trigger on forgiveness. Hey, if, if, if we are always, if we're always not comprehending God in our lives... We're going to have a a hard time. But if we, like Joseph, can say, hey, God brought me here. Listen, I look back in my life and the hurt that you caused and the pit you threw me in and the prison and Potiphar's wife and all the negatives, everything that's happened in my life, the rejection by my brothers, all of that. You know what God was doing? God was working. God was working. And God was bringing me right here today in Egypt to stand here and distribute goods and to save your lives. He saw God's sovereign hand. And when we can see God's sovereign hand, no, none of us wish that whatever has happened to you in your life happened. Nobody ever wishes bad things, but they do happen. And when we can acknowledge that God was in control and that God allowed them to happen, then we can begin the step in the process of forgiving the human individual. Because at the end of the day, they were just an instrument and a tool that God allowed to happen in your life. And I hate to say it this way, Take it for what it is. If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at God. If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at God. Because He allowed it. But what you're going to find is when you get mad at God and, and, you, and you, you cry out to Him, you're going to sense His loving arms saying, all things work together. And that's next Sunday, so we're not going there yet. But all things work together. 
All things work together. I love you. I I let this happen in your life for reasons that you would not even understand right now. I love you. We have to comprehend that God is sovereign in order to truly forgive. Let me say this. There is nothing that has ever happened or ever will happen in your life that God did not know about and allow to happen. And I hate to say that. But it's the truth. Every good thing that's happened in your life, God knew it and he allowed it. Every bad thing that's happened in your life, God knew it and he allowed it. If Job was alive today, Job would say, hey, listen, I got, I got one better. Not only did God know it and allow it in Job's life, took his family, took his crops, took his wealth, took his money, took his children, took everything. Not only did God allow it and know about it, you know what? It was God's idea for Job. Have you considered my servant Job, he says to the devil. Have you considered Job? If you got wanting to go after somebody, have you considered Job? If I'm Job, I'm like, hold up. There's other people here. Maybe, did you mean Joe? Was there really a B on the end? Like, I don't, Hold up. But you know what? God knows. God knows. God knows. And God allowed it. We have to trust in God's sovereignty. And that's a tough truth to comprehend this morning. But it is a truth nonetheless. Forgiveness focuses on God. And lastly... Our last point this morning simply is this. God has, sorry, forgiveness has restoration as its goal. Forgiveness has restoration as its goal. Let's look at verse uh, 9 in our text this morning. It simply says this. Haste and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for there are yet five more years of famine, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty." You see, forgiveness was not just words. Joseph didn't merely verbally forgive and say, I've forgiven you. He actually showed it. He actually demonstrated his forgiveness by restoring his entire family. He eventually moved his entire family into Egypt to be able to have access to all that Egypt had during this famine. And let me say, if we truly forgive, it will be way more than words. It will be way more than, I forgive you. It's going to be a life that we have created of restoration and restoring what could be restored in those relationships. When we truly forgive, we will seek to restore any portion of a relationship that is left. And I say that because I understand the complexity of issues. There are some relationships that we can forgive, but there are, there's nothing left in that relationship to restore. I'll give you that. I understand that. Some things have moved so far beyond in your past that there's nothing in that relationship that can be restored. But in many of our relationships, there is. There is. There's something that can be restored. And when we truly forgive and we don't just say the words, I forgive you, but we live the life of I forgive you, we will seek to restore what is left of any relationship. There was a man in Baltimore. I I served at a church in Baltimore for four years. And there was a man heard a sermon on bitterness and forgiveness. And this man had not spoken to his father, his birth father, his real father, uh, for over, over 15 years. 
Over 15 years, hadn't talked to him, hadn't spoken to him. Heard a sermon on forgiveness. The next morning, or that night he goes home, gets a flight out, and that next week he flies to Oregon. And he has the first conversation with his dad that he's had in over 15 years. And today they have a working relationship. It's not perfect, but it's there. You know why? Because someone didn't just say, oh, I forgive you. No, I'm willing on my dime to hop on an airplane, to fly to Oregon, to talk to a real dad who was not a real dad, let's be honest, but a birth father who was not a real father in his life. But he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And they've worked on a relationship over the last few years. You see, when we forgive, we will seek to restore. We will seek to restore. As I mentioned at the beginning, forgiveness is not easy. It's difficult to just say the words, I forgive you sometimes. That's tough to just verbally say those words. But I, once again, being honest, what's even more tough is to live the life of restoration after that. It's to say, not only do I forgive you, but I want what's best for you. And I want to restore what we can restore in our relationship. It is extremely difficult, but it's biblical. But it's necessary in order for you to take the next step in your life, you must forgive the pain, the hurt, the, per- the person, the situation, the church, whoever it is and whatever it is in your life, you must forgive. Forgiveness is a beautiful journey. It really is. But it's a tough journey. It's a beautiful journey, but it's a tough journey. The journey of forgiveness is the journey of releasing the offender of guilt and giving up my right to retaliate. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Joseph Jesus Joseph, Jesus, Joseph, Jesus. We've seen it all throughout the study. Joseph, Jesus, Joseph, Jesus. Forgiveness. Jesus. Jesus. Listen, just like his brothers had rejected him, guess what? We have all rejected him in our sin. Just as he was the chosen one of his father, Joseph, Jesus, the chosen, only begotten, chosen one of his father. And you know what happened? Instead of saying, I am Joseph, you are forgiven, we find in the New Testament, we see a man named Jesus. Say, I am Jesus, and you are forgiven. Last week, the title of the sermon was Through the Eyes of the Brothers. And we told the story somewhat through their their perspective. And let me just say this, when it comes to forgiveness and Jesus, we are the brothers. We are the brothers. And Jesus is Joseph. And let me, let me say this, we, we are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. We are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. You say, Josh, you don't know my story. Well, you don't know Jesus's. But you don't know how I've been mistreated. Well, you don't know how bad he was mistreated. Well, you don't, you don't know. This situation, this form of relationship, oh, oh, you don't know. You don't know. We have the perfect example in forgiveness, and his name is Jesus. The same men that would mock him and spit in his face 
spit on him. He would stand up just a few hours later and say, Father, forgive them. Those that, that wished death upon him and those that even tried to kill him with that cat of nine tails, he would say, Father, forgive them. I forgive them. Father, please forgive them. Those same ones who cursed his name and, and hated his name, he forgave. He forgave. And through the cross of Jesus Christ this morning, he offers forgiveness to every single person under the sound of my voice. He offers forgiveness to every single person alive on this earth right now, even to the ones who mock his name and curse his name, even to those who hate him, even to those who would not give their hearts and their lives to him. His forgiveness is there for them. And you are never more like Jesus than when you will take the step to forgive. Forgiven. Forgiven. Released. Done. Over. Chains. Broken. The wall. Broken through. Forgiveness. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your story is. I don't know your past, your hurts. I don't know who has hurt you. We did an entire sermon on bitterness. It's closely related to this topic. Your hurts are legitimate. The people that hurt you are wrong. It is all correct. That does not release you from the obligation to forgive like Jesus. If Jesus can forgive you in all of your sin, then you can forgive someone else. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Church, today, can we release it? Can we forgive? Hey, today, can we make a phone call to somebody this afternoon? Hey, if they live local, can we call them and say, hey, can I swing by the house? Because there's something I need to deal with. Hey, can we make that appointment this week? Can we grab lunch? I was talking to someone, um, not, not in this room, not related here. And I asked, him what his, I asked him what his real problem was. And he said, my real problem is that the person that I hate and my bitterness is a person that has passed away. And boy, that's tough. Because you're never going to hear, okay, I love you. You're never going to hear that. Some are more difficult than others. If your forgiveness needs to be to someone who is no longer here, that's tough. It's tough to go to a, a gravestone and say, I forgive you. Because you're never going to hear anything back from that. But once again, as difficult as it may be, to utter the words, I forgive you, and to begin the life of forgiveness, which looks like reconciling, 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 pulling, pulling, pulling that relationship back together. Can we do it this morning? Not for my sake. Not for anyone else's sake in this room. For your sake. Because it's personal. It's personal. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, Heavenly Father, today. The most powerful words that, that I believe you spoke 
were those three words, Father, forgive them. And God, today, may we be like you. Jesus, today, may we take that gospel. One of the the most main points and obvious points of the gospel is the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered. And Jesus, may we take that element of the gospel forgiveness today. And may we live it in our lives, God. Today, may may we push that through our spirits and through our lips today through our minds and utter those words I forgive you to whoever has caused the hurt in our lives God may we do more than just verbally say that even though it's very difficult and extremely important but may we take it a step further and whatever the process may look like and no matter how long it may take may we begin that process of restoring what is left, if there's anything left. Restoring what is left of that relationship. God, as we see Joseph, not only forgive his brothers verbally, but bring them into the land and provide for them and restore their relationship. God, if there be anyone here today under the sound of my voice that has never experienced forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin that only Jesus offered and only Jesus displayed when he died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross so we would have a symbol to put up in our, in our houses. He didn't die on the cross so we would have a symbol to put out on a church sign. He died on the cross because I sinned and because you sinned just like Joseph's brothers sinned. We are the brothers. We are the sinners. And we have, we have betrayed him in our sin. We have mocked him in our sin. And if you're here today under the sound of my voice and you would acknowledge that you have sinned and that your sin has separated you from God, then you're a perfect candidate this morning for someone who can be forgiven by Jesus. You see, Jesus came and he lived a sinless life on this earth. And he paid sin's debt for you on the cross. He died for every sin in the past, every sin in the present, every sin in the future. And he stood on that cross and he, and he cried out, Father, forgive them. And when he said, Father, forgive them, he meant you and he meant me. There's forgiveness today, but there's forgiveness just like these brothers could find forgiveness only in the person of, Je- of Joseph. Today, you and I can find forgiveness only in the person of Jesus. If you have never accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offers, it's the gospel. It's the good news. The good news that you're not good enough, but only Jesus is. The good news that you deserve to die and go to hell one day, but the good news that Jesus Christ has paid sin's debt and he's paid for death, hell, and the grave, and he offers you a place in heaven. That's as good a news as I know this morning. And if you're under the sound of my voice and you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus, I want to invite you this morning into a personal relationship with the only one that can forgive your sin. And his name is Jesus Christ. He purchased it. He bought it on Calvary. He died on the cross for it. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.